Hello, this is Carol Fitzsimons from Young Enterprise and you're listening to Best of Belfast. Hello folks, how's it going? Matthew with the Best of Belfast podcast here and we're on episode number 11. Right off the bat, just want to say thank you very much for all of your kind reviews you guys sent in after last week. And even on Twitter, I got some class tweets in this week and I really, really appreciate that. It does act as a bit of encouragement to keep the show going and also get some of your feedback too. We are continuing the theme from last month's podcast of young people as today we are sitting down with Carol Fitzsimons, the CEO of the local charity Young Enterprise. I make it no secret, I'm a massive champion of Young Enterprise. I'm a big believer in what they do. I've been through their program myself when I was 16, 17 and learned so, so, so much through that experience about the business world and it really did just open up my mind to the possibilities uh, for entrepreneurship and business. So it was a real honor to sit down with Carol and hear some of her story. Most of it I've never even heard before. So it was great to get an insight into what goes on behind the scenes as well as some of her personal stories. Story. So lots to look forward to. You guys are really going to enjoy the show. As always, if you'd like to see a written version with photos and links of everything we end up talking about today, you can head on over to bestofbelfast.org. And other than that, it is time to jump in today's show. Let's go. It is what it is she said. I can't begin to understand. And I don't expect we'll ever know. All right, Carol, what's the crack? I'm good. I'm very excited to see you. Excited to be doing my first podcast. It's very, very exciting. I'm still excited. It's number 12, but I'm still pumped up. It's <laughs> good. It was actually episode 11, but I mean, who's counting really? So we were just having a quick conversation about elevator pitches. That's good because the first question we always ask is if you were to ride up in an elevator with Liam Neeson, how would you introduce yourself? What would your quick wee 30 seconds be? Gosh, I, I would be a bit worried I might spend the first 30 seconds just staring in awe and going, <laughs> gosh, it's Liam Neeson. Obviously, I would be wanting to pitch Young Enterprise, but there is a little bit of me used to work with Liam Neeson's cousin. Ah. So there's also that bit of me wants to do that Northern Irish thing of going, Liam, I know your cousin and I used to work with her and try to make that Northern Irish connection uh, in the hope that then maybe he might say, well, you should come back and, you know, we'll have a coffee and then I might get more than 30 seconds if I went if I went that route. But uh, no, it would be very exciting to meet him because obviously he's really made it in his industry. So I think it would be a case of saying, Liam, lovely to meet you. I'm Carol from Young Enterprise. We're all about getting kids to be as entrepreneurial as possible and uh, get involved in business and fulfill their dreams. So if you ever had any time to come down and see some of the kids, tell them about the wonderful world of the movie business. It would be great to have you along. So it'd be lovely. That'd be class. I think the kids would be pretty Aim pumped high. up about that. I, th- I think that would be great. I think the teachers would also be very pumped <laughs> up about that. So it's and I think one of the challenges nowadays can be to get speakers and role models that actually are as exciting for the students as they are for the adults and the teachers and the volunteers because generationally we do see there you know a lot of the kids will know what you do in the podcast and yet the adults won't always be as familiar. So that can be a big challenge getting role models that everybody understands. Do you think that's an age thing? Do you think you need more younger volunteers or do you think you need more volunteers who are involved in like, I don't want to say the word cool because I think that automatically makes you uncool, 
But what what does that look like? It, it's a big challenge. It's um, trying to get somebody that young people can relate to. So sometimes that's also about where somebody is in their journey. So a young person that, well, not necessarily young, but somebody that is early in their career or early in their business can be more meaningful to somebody than somebody like, you know, Bill Gates that's, that's setting up and running a huge business because the young person can't then see what's their next step to get there versus if you meet somebody that's maybe in the startup scene around Belfast and I'm sure you've maybe met a few people already but you know we've got a growing startup scene around Belfast and if you have somebody that's from that scene maybe only just starting out their business maybe isn't financially or commercially successful yet but they're giving it a go that sort of person actually is more inspiring for a student because they can see that okay I could get there in the next five years. That's interesting because I do think you see that built into the young enterprise ethos of just give it a go, try it. It doesn't matter if you don't make 10 million in your first month, just keep going, keep going. And it's cool that you, it would make sense that you get sort of like-minded people on board with that. I want to go back really quick. Um, I don't know if it's on Twitter or LinkedIn or something, but it's been in my head all week whenever I knew I was going to chat to you. You are Carol Fitzsimons, MBE. I am. Right? And Liam Neeson is OBE. Yeah. So what is an MBE and how did you get it? And is there some sort of like BE club that everyone's a part of or you in a WhatsApp group with them or... Uh, we haven't set up the WhatsApp. Well, if there is, I'm not. A, I should say I'm not a member of it. Maybe there is a WhatsApp group, and I haven't been invited yet. But as far as I know, there is not oh. a WhatsApp group. Um, it's a real honour and a privilege. It's it's really where you've been recognised for the work that you do. And I was fortunate enough to be recognised for the work that I've done with Young Enterprise, and that was really about driving the agenda of youth entrepreneurship and economic empowerment of young people across Northern Ireland. How you get it is a little bit of a mystery. You get nominated and you never find out who nominated you. So you you don't know. You don't know. It could have come from within government. It could have come within education. It could be some of the young people that we work with and you never actually find find that out. So that's quite exciting. Um, And it's just a real honour and a privilege to be recognised for the work that you you do. Um, Liam's obviously done quite a lot more in the film industry. and from the perspective you see. A global, well, global brand. Brand. I think he's a little bit better known the young enterprise Northern Ireland. So he's he's got that higher level of OBE. But maybe that's maybe I'll, maybe I'll give that a go for my elevator pitch when I meet him. There you go. Here are many another, tips on the OBE. Yeah. Where's the WhatsApp group that I'm not invited <laughs> to? How do I get up to that? Group? Class, so. I remember watching something they're reading into that whole sort of knighthood OBE MBE sort of. I still don't really understand it because it is so cloak and dagger and mysterious and it's strange how those things come about. But you know, it's class to be recognised and. I, th- I think it is, and what hadn't what I hadn't fully appreciated until I went to the ceremony is it is very much about civil leadership. It's about you know getting things going in your community, and um, at whatever level you're able to do so. Uh, and I'm fortunate within Young Enterprise that's that's a big thing that we're able to push in terms of the charity is is having that youth entrepreneurship um, agenda and really being able to make sure that we don't just do the basics. We don't just maybe just run the programs but making sure that in terms of education policy economic policy program for government all of those aspects that it's understood to be an important element that young people gain the skills that you had the opportunity to do um at school and it's it's not just something that's maybe a nice to have yeah so if you were to describe young enterprise to let's say a 30 year old really quickly how would you do it 
Thirty old is that an old person to you? No, no, or no. A it's young person is just a random age, number. Okay, okay. <laughs> so thirty-year-old. Well, hopefully, thirty-year-olds may may know a little bit about us. The, the charity's been going thirty years, but not at the scale that we're we're running at today. Yeah, no, that's, that's what I wanted. So, um, really, it's quite inspiring young people to, as you say, take a chance and get involved, put themselves out there, doing something that's a little bit different to maybe what they've done to date. So we really want to drive that awareness of entrepreneurship and give young people a taste of it. So set up, run their own businesses. They may decide to go forward and become entrepreneurs and start to think about business startup as part of their career pathway. Uh, They may not. They may realise that actually it would not be the right pathway for them at all. Um, But they will learn a lot about themselves, but they will also gather a lot of skills that they can take forward to employment. Uh, We also hope that they realise that it's something that actually being an entrepreneur quite often is seen as a very solo, solitary thing. But actually, you need a team around you, whether you've employed them or whether they're board members or whether it's just a network of people around you. And you need to build that up. And I think one of the things that's very important for us is that connection that young people can make with volunteers and the local business community so that they start to establish a strong network, um, which means that when they go out into the economy in Northern Ireland, they actually have connections and an awareness of that wider world around them. So my um, insight on entrepreneurship is limited to the 23 years I've been alive. And, you know, I started doing Young Enterprise at 16, 17 years old. And, you know, it really, really did open up my world, I'd Mm -hmm. say, to business because I was, you know, English literature, into media, and it was sort of just wrote off business. Yeah. I, that's for the accountants. That's for the mathematic guys. That's for people who mm-hmm. are really, really, you know, infrastructure and blah, blah, <laughs> blah, blah, blah. And then, you know, jumping into Young Enterprise and we set up a, a wee creative t-shirt company, which is not the business I always had in my mm-hmm. head. You know, I just thought business was suit and tie, da 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 And then I think you guys sort of showed me, it's like, actually, well, business can be a bit Steve Jobs as well. You know, it can be very, very creative and it's, radically changed um i would even say my pathway to be honest um but has entrepreneurship in northern ireland increased a lot over the last few years because in my lifetime i feel like i've seen it explode but i don't know if that's just because i've been alive or if there was you know i don't know what happened before me yeah that's very, they're very typical, yes, and it doesn't matter what happened before you, really, does it? So um, entrepreneurship has been around. It maybe hasn't always been called entrepreneurship. Um, Northern Ireland has a long history of business startup, go-for-it programs, things like that. Um, my dad would have been very involved in the Chamber of Commerce, and uh, I have stuff from articles that he would have written, you know, 20 years ago for Ulster Business, and it was about business startup and entrepreneurship. So it's something that's been on the agenda but it definitely is a lot more popular now. And uh, from our point of view, that's fabulous. It's starting to break down um, the maybe the barriers that people would have had to seeing it as a career pathway. But a lot of that is also to do with the, the growth of new industries. So if we look around and I mean, we can see, you know, showing you, we can see from this office across to Titanic Studios and Belfast there, there's a lot of creative industry coming in. 
And with that, a lot of those people tend to be self-employed. And the shift is that um, job security, rather than being Monday to Friday, nine to five, would possibly be that you're self-employed and you have four or five different projects or contracts that you're working on, which means if you lose one of those, you still have another four. So actually, <laughs> that's better than having one yeah. singular job. So um, there is a lot more energy about it. There's also a lot more positivity about it. Which is really important because when you look at the research, um, a lot of, you know, a lot of the research says that particularly within Northern Ireland, the thing that holds people back of any age um, from getting into entrepreneurship and business startup is a fear of failure. And it's our attitude to risk in society in Northern Ireland and very much, you know, just go and get a nice safe job or go those more popular, you know, what are seen as the traditionally successful career pathways that you talked about there, the, you know, the lawyers, the um, doctors, that sort of thing. So um, what we're trying to encourage is that, you know, people try out things. And one of the things you do when you do young enterprise at school is you run that business and it won't always be successful. And your business was successful. Not every student is. But what's important for us is the learning they take away from that. So they they can regroup. They can learn from those mistakes. They improve. They get better. Or they realize that they maybe pivot and do something differently. And that's how do you learn from the, the mistakes. Then, you know, it, it's trying to get them to a point that they're learning by doing. They're realizing that these aren't mistakes. These are just learning opportunities. And I've learned something about myself or I've learned about my business. I've maybe learned what the customer doesn't like. And then you you pivot and you learn and you improve. And um, so I think there is there's definitely, I would say, a lot more of a startup scene, a startup community. In Belfast, what we need to do is to really help and promote um, young people to become part of that and to see that, that maybe they don't start up their own business straight away, but that they're excited to go and work in a business startup even, um, because that can be a brilliant learning experience as well. Absolutely. And the way you guys do it, it gives them a safe space to explore those things and to fail without mm-hmm. having major implications on their life or as yeah. you know if they leave school start their own business it would be a, a game changer how do you guys make sure that it is real enough for the students yeah it, and it's a challenge it's it's how it's real enough but also not too real yeah. so um <laughs> no you, you know we yeah you get the we had a we had a letter from an attorney at law uh in america once because some of the students had encroached on um somebody's copyright in terms of their their brand name or something and what we have to do is you know it's our responsibility as the charity to build up a governance around that um and to make sure that we are protecting the young people but also giving them enough exposure to the real world issues and the challenges and the failures that that you can have within business as well as successes so partly we do that by controlling the structure of the program so at the start um, the students do need to raise their startup capital but there's a limit to how much they can raise because <laughs> if you start it bigger you've a lot more to to lose later on um, there's also um, there are controls on it we have a link teacher in place from the school and we have a business volunteer so they're always working alongside them um, so you know we have rules that go along with the company program um, we protect the public by not letting students produce food for example <laughs> unless they have all the hygiene certificates and things in place or do that so you know we have responsibilities um as well as that 
but it is also giving the mentoring as they go so there will be times that you know students don't do well the the student company we had in light and hope a couple of years ago that went on they won in uk they came third in europe they actually at one of the first trade fairs didn't win any prizes and they were devastated but what they did was they came up and said, well, what went wrong? We, we have a brilliant product here. We don't understand. We were getting brilliant feedback from the public. But when they went in to do their pitch, that just didn't come across. So it's about learning um, from that and learning from the mistakes and the failures. And as a result, they raised their game. And then by the time they went into um, the regional trade fairs, they won all the awards. They swept the boards and were able to go on to succeed. So... It's really about protect, having a, a governance structure in place that, that allows the young people to make those mistakes and failures, but that we also, you know, have our duty of care to make sure that they, they learn from it and improve. Yeah. And alongside that, what I think is class about young enterprise, I mean, it's the foundation of economics incentives, but you can make money and the money's yours. Yes. And I remember whenever we, we started to, you know, sell things and it almost didn't even feel real. You're like, wow, it's like, did that just happen? It felt like a magic trick just happened. And just to have that happen on a very small scale as a young person, it really does open up your mind. You're like, oh my goodness, business isn't something so lofty and something so out there. It's like actually business is this, business is yeah. right here and right tangible. Yeah, and I think that that's important because it's really genuine, as you said, it's a light bulb moment for a lot of young people. And it's not just selling, but it's selling to a random stranger who thinks your product is valuable enough to part with money. It's, you know, it's not your family. It's not it's not your granny or whatever. It's, it's somebody who just is buying it for the value of the product. We also find the students don't have to keep them. They can keep the money. They can also run it as a social enterprise. So, and a lot of students will. Um, so, you know, it, it gives that um, opportunity to really learn about that connectivity between your creativity um, and producing something and then earning a living from it. What's also important to us, and I think one of the challenges we haven't got past yet in the charity is there is that um, perception, as you say, that it's really about business studies. So a lot of people, um, you know, within even within schools, students will say, oh, well, business studies students do young enterprise. And for us, what would be really important is to have every young child in Northern Ireland run at least one business in school, yeah. maybe two. Um, and we, for that reason, we've gone to a lower age range so they can do it much younger. They can do it at P7. We wow. can run a six week program where they, they run their own business. But ideally, we would love that students had a couple of goes at it to learn from the experience and then do better again the next time. But also that we break that perception because if people go and work in the public sector, if they run a charity, it doesn't matter. There, there is an economics that will sit behind that yeah. and they need to understand those mechanics. So for us, getting it beyond business is actually a really important uh, strategic ambition for us. I think so. And I think Belfast has such a passion for the arts and creativity. Yes. And it's actually some of the podcast guests we've had, you know, uh, Danielle Morgan, Flax Fox and uh, Dean Kay and Visual Waste, you know, highly, highly talented artists, highly successful artists, but both have a real passion for yeah. business. Yes. And somehow, especially growing up, I don't know if it was just my uh, environment I was in, but there was a real divorce between creativity and business. So how do you think Young Enterprise is trying to bring that together? 
So what we're trying to do is we're looking um, within the school curriculum to see if there's opportunities to bring it in. So, for example, um, with a school in Antrim that runs a GCSE in craft and the students make and create their own craft products. And what we've done is we've introduced our quick start program, which is the um, 10 week version of the company program. Um, we've introduced that there. So what they do is, yes, they're creating the products, but then as part of that, they then get the opportunity to go and trade them um, at a trade fair, which again, as you, you talked about earlier, it lets them make that connection between, oh, right, okay, I've, I've done this creative piece, Ooh, but then I've sold it. And one of the big aspects that, that creatives need to, to really get that understanding of is costing for their own time. So quite often we find um, students that have created beautiful, you know, maybe they've made something from pottery. They'll sell it really quickly and sell out. And it's getting them to learn that, okay, you could keep producing really fast, but you're putting yourself under a lot of pressure or do you consider putting your price up? It gives you a better margin. It's a slower pace of production for you and maybe more achievable. But actually, in terms of the business model, that's better. So that that's the sort of learning they get out of it. But it's not just creative. And I mean, I think we do see a lot of the, the creative industries across Belfast. And we do want to bring that through. But it's also things like tech. Um, we're doing a pilot this year with um, students that are actually working with um, tech volunteers from, you know, um, Canos and Allstate and um, then Liberty IT. And they're linking up with Bank of Ireland volunteers and what they're doing is they're actually trying to develop much more technical products, which is the innovation side, but then same thing, trying to then commercialise them over. Class. And uh, I was speaking at one of the Young Enterprise events a few weeks ago, and one actually one of the companies, uh, this class, class group of uh, guys, and they had this mental health app. Mm-hmm. And it's all about their social enterprise, and it's all about uh, suicide awareness. Hello, this is post-production Matthew here. The team is called Mindsight and their website is www.mindsightapp.com or you can check them out on the app store as well. And I was just so impressed. I was like, wow, like there's a group of guys who are developers, you know, some of them are programmers and they've got a whole range of people, but they're in tech. They're also in the business of social enterprise Mm -hmm. and they're in the business of mental health. Like it's just class that those opportunities to bring all those worlds together are available. So I think it's class. Yeah, and I think, you know, what's important about that one, that's boys model and they're working together with some of the girls from Mercy College. What's what's so important there is that regardless of whether they go to set up their own business, what they develop is a sense of confidence, self-confidence in their own abilities, but also an awareness of just what they're good at and what they can achieve um, and maybe what they're not so good at and where they need to get support and help. And if, if you think um, employers are always talking about, you know, the skills they need to see in business, young people coming in with that sort of expertise and specialism and enthusiasm for what they do and that attitude is just so important or if they decide to go up and start on their own they're coming with a bit of context and realizing that this will only work if I actually make a lot of you know if I work hard Um, and I think probably that's one of the biggest learnings for, for the students is that 
you know, we we see that sort of immediacy of, oh, they became, a, you know, a YouTuber yeah. or whatever, and they're rich now. They're, for everyone rich YouTuber, there's thousands of them yeah. that aren't rich, mm-hmm. and they're not rich maybe because they're not putting the work in. So it's also that work ethic that needs to go behind it. Yeah. I was listening to the last podcast recently. Uh, it's called Freakonomics. It's like pop economics mm-hmm. or whatever. And they're doing a big thing on CEOs, and they were making that point, and they were saying... Really big risk-taking CEOs are so celebrated. But the fact of the matter is, there's like 99% of other CEOs who mm-hmm. they're steady, they're consistent, they're such hard-working that they don't get celebrated in the same way. Yeah. And from an outsider perspective, you would think all CEOs are just type A, crazy, making just these big, massive, risky decisions all the time, whenever actually in reality, I mean, from what I've seen anyway, it's not necessarily like that the whole time. Mm-hmm. That's a long way to pivot into, you know, you are CEO of mm-hmm. Young Enterprise. What does that mean? You know, what is a CEO? <laughs> it's like such a mystery. It's almost like it's an OBE. Mystery. It's it? uh, it means you're the chief, the chief executive officer. So the chief executive officer uh, really has delegated authorities from the board. So we have a board. Every charity has a board of trustees and their their purpose and those the people that are the board I have a lot of respect for because they're volunteers giving up their time to to do this this role um, as a trustee and it's a really important role. Um, and their role is just to make sure that the charity continues to do what it's meant to do. Um, so if I get some harebrained idea where I suddenly think, you know, we're we're going to open, um, yeah, I don't know, we're going to you know, we're, we're going to be open a young enterprise cryptocurrency. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> they, that that's our role. To go well. That's not actually what's in, you know, the, the articles of what we do as a charity. And I think a lot of people don't, don't understand necessarily how charities work, but that, that's their purpose. What they then do is we agree the strategy over three years and the operational plan. And then really it's a case of, okay, Carol, we've agreed it with you. You go on and make that happen. And that's my job to make sure we deliver against the plan. And I'm accountable for everything, Lovely. which uh, is both wonderful and terrifying. So, you know, um, it's it's great when it goes well. But if there are things that aren't going well, you're everybody's accountable for that. So, you know, it's it's not just all the lovely stuff, but you're also accountable for fundraising and um, making sure that, that it, the charity is sustainable, making sure you've money to pay the, the staff and you've enough money to run all of the programs. You're very responsible for making sure the money that you get is spent appropriately so it's making sure that as much of that is spent making sure as many young people can have a good young enterprise experience as possible and for that for us that's all across Northern Ireland so making sure there's an equity as well that you know lots of people can get involved but it's also about making sure we remain relevant so we you know we work closely with the Department of Education and we have great support from them because we link with the curriculum in Northern Ireland because the curriculum in Northern Ireland recognizes the role and the importance of skills which I think is a great um you know asset for us in Northern Ireland um, but it's also my role to make sure that you know we we stay a little bit ahead of that education can be very traditional and for us it's then how do you keep bringing the modern business environment into that so that's looking at things like where our company students would meet with their mentors are there ways that they can do that using webex or conference call or things that are just normal in yeah. everyday business that are not normal within the school <laughs> environment at all yeah. as you know they're just they just don't happen so it's always looking at how do you bridge that gap between education and the business world yeah and how are you guys funded 
So we get partial funding from Department of Education. So without a doubt, uh, not having an executive will not get into all of that. But all of that is is a challenge, you know, that um, it leads to a lot of uncertainty in terms of timing. What we then also do is we raise money from local businesses and we ask them to um, support us and to get involved because a lot of them really believe in the skills that we um, help young people develop so it's good that they invest in that and then trust some foundations so you know we don't rely on government funding but it is an important part of what we do. Would you say that the financial side of a social enterprise is the biggest challenge? Yeah, I I came into Young Enterprise um, and into the charity sector from having worked all my life in the private sector. Where did you work? Um, So I, I, my very first job was in Desmond's who used to make clothes for Marks and Spencer's. It was a manufacturing company. (laughs) Um, So I worked in Irvinstown and then in Dungannon. I know. Oh, um, so yeah, that's and uh, that's a company you won't know about because it was a fantastic company. Had thirteen factories all across Northern Ireland. You know, lots of hundreds of employees. Um, but then one customer with Marks and Spencers, and uh, that that contract wound up, and that was that was that. So, um, you know, interesting to have seen that the manufacturing industry how it's changed and declined in Northern Ireland. But now there's a real drive to, you know, drive the manufacturing industry again. Um, but it has to be at a much higher level of growth. But I think from that, as a side note, that's why I love when I see students producing things um in young enterprise i love that manufacturing element and as you talked about going from nothing to have created something that then you sell for value i think it's just really exciting to to see happen um and then i moved into the world of training consultancy and then was head of learning and development in gem for 10 years uh which has recently become concentrix so i was there when it was a startup um you know there were 30 of us um, and we grew to it being just under, I think, a thousand people when I left. And, you know, I would have been there at the start. And I think that that sort of startup environment taught me a lot about what I wanted to bring then into Young Enterprise. Um, I remember that when, you know, when the company was six months old, we, we went to, to do pitches to Amazon. And you're like, well, what makes you think that you can go and pitch to Amazon? You know, it's just, and that's not a very Northern Irish culture. You just, you wouldn't do that. But that level of ambition of, well, we'll give it a go. And the guys from Amazon came over. And one of the things I remember we did um, was that we set up the office. We we put up some of the Amazon branding and all of that. So they walked in and immediately they could visualize how it was going to be working in Belfast. And that made me realize a lot about the importance of those business relationships and networks. And, you know, whilst Amazon is a huge company and it will always look at the commercials, it also has to have relationships that it can build and with an outsourcer people that it feels it can trust and that they can work with. Um, so that excitement and passion for um, the startup community, I think I was then able to bring into to what I do with, with Young Enterprise. But then, as, as I say, when I came into the charity sector, I was shocked at the start. I thought everybody just talks about funding all the time. <laughs> I thought, don't don't become like that. And you know, eight years on, I I am that person. But <laughs> it's it's very hard because it's very important to always remember what it is you're here to do. And from my point of view, I always say to the team, you know, take a moment, focus on the young people, look at what they're achieving each year, watch their journeys over the course of the year. 
Um, and it's so important to spend that and be inspired by the young people that you're working with and to mentally focus on that positive impact that you're having. And I think for us, that's where actually talking to alumni is always fabulous because you hear from young people who say, you know, this had an impact on me. It is significant. It was important. And that adds a lot of value back to what we're doing. And it's just very frustrating at times because you get all of that messaging. And then on the flip side, you're struggling to get enough funding to deliver your programs, you know, year on year. And that that doesn't feel um, fair, ultimately. But, you know, that's my role as the chief executive to make sure we have enough funding to to do what we need to do. Um, But it's also we have an obligation as a charity to demonstrate that impact, to articulate it. And that's where the alumni become very important because somebody like you telling your story um, is always going to be more meaningful than me saying, oh, I think it's of value to yeah. to young people. Yeah. If Young Enterprise were to win the lottery, let's just mm-hmm. say 50 million, how would you spend it? How would it transform this charity? Yeah, at the moment we reach less than one in three of the school population. So that's two out of three kids of school age who don't get an opportunity to run a business with Young Enterprise or to be involved in Young Enterprise at all. So the first thing would be to immersively get everybody to have that opportunity. And particularly primary, we've we've started to roll out that programme in P7 and there's such appetite for it age 10. They are full of creativity and positivity and give it a go and we would love to see that you know every child of primary age was able to do that but then at the other end um it would be about looking at what 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 else can we do to support the alumni that come through so after you've completed the company program we are part of junior achievement globally which is the global brand for the charity there are junior achievements in America, there's junior achievements throughout Europe. And what we would love to do is have more of a support network sort of in that 18 to 25 space where we bring the alumni together and encourage them to network with one another, build a networking and a community within Northern Ireland, but also financially that we would be in a position to possibly be be it do benchmarking, you know, visits over to junior achievement in the States or possibly even be, have a role where we help them integrate into the local um, business startup community here so that we act as a little bit more of a broker there. So, yeah. you know, there's huge potential of what, what else we could do. Class. And outside of money, let's say for people listening, what are your biggest needs right now? So in terms of volunteering, we're always keen to hear from uh, new volunteers and, and people getting involved, and uh, but also as well from alumni. So because we find that if an alumni's been involved and they've been through the programme, they straight away understand what it's about because um, our volunteers are there to facilitate the students. They're not there to run the company for them. So having somebody that's been involved, you know, they have a good appreciation of that. So um, if people just email in to volunteer at yeni.co.uk, um, we can talk to them about it dep- you know depends on what what time they have to give um at primary level age 10 they could be running a program over six weeks it's an hour week with primary school students uh if they're able to provide more time they could work with you know 17 year olds and run a company for over a full academic year we also have one-off one day things um so you know it's it's hearing about people's stories and i think still within careers and um i think the careers teachers have a very difficult uh role to play because 
we still tend to talk about careers as a linear pathway and a linear journey to one singular point. And yet we know, not even from research, but just looking around and even talking to people from 30 years ago, very few people do that. And yet still, that's how we, we think of it. So the journey is your your career path, you know, that that's, that's your career journey. So one of the things we're always excited to do is have volunteers talk about that to students and say, you know, for me, I came from a manufacturing industry into learning and development in the private sector into running a charity. That's not a linear path, but that's my path. Yeah. And that's okay. And I do think sometimes when you come out of school, you think, I've done this degree and I've either got a job with it or I haven't. And if I haven't, I've failed to achieve the correct route. And it's not. It's just all good learning. And you take what you can from it and pivot and transfer what skills and learning you have each time. And I think getting that culture of lifelong learning, the volunteers are a really important part of that because it's being able to say, well, look, you know, you've learned whatever you've learned so far. Keep learning and keep moving. And, yeah. you know, you, you too can maybe do what I'm doing. Class. Um, I always like to ask this question to people who are involved in like mentorship and coaching of other businesses. If you could set up a business, what business would you would you set up? Let's say you just won like a like a ten million startup fund, and they're like, "All right, Carol, on you go. We'll take care of oh, everything else." Wouldn't that be nice? No, backburners. But I'd have to leave Young Enterprise, wouldn't I? Um, gosh, gosh. Do you know I? I I find what I do love is um, that sort of strategic and creative development. So I actually probably, I enjoy that side. So I think it's that early stage startup bit is what I enjoy because I like it when people are coming with business ideas and saying, I'm looking at, at this product. Um, and then that bit of being able to work with them and say, well, what about and, you know, how do you pivot that? How do you move it? Um, and I know there, you know, there's a fair bit of that that goes on uh, in terms of consultancy but I think being able to work with people to do it in the the newer set you know that whole digital environment and things like that I think is so exciting because I think for anybody starting a business now in Northern Ireland the the barriers have gone in terms of the geography so you can more than ever have a global business so I actually think what I want to do is get myself probably upskilled a little bit more about that you know online commercialization of businesses and looking at how do you take that um to really pivot and push um startups out there into that that bigger better world class how long have you been with Young Enterprise again? Eight years. Eight years. It's you, flowing in. Flies. All good. If you could take yourself out for coffee eight years ago, yeah. Uh, what advice would you give yourself? I'll tell you what advice I was given. Okay. I had a mentor when I first came <laughs> in, so because it was the best bit of advice to be given. Um, when I first started, I was fortunate. I've got a mentor because I do think mentors are very important, and I was very conscious of that change of moving from the private sector in to the charity sector and what that meant in terms of culture. I love culture, organisation, development, culture, <laughs> all of that. I love all of that. And her very wise advice was just be yourself. And I think 
it, it's you know it's quite cliche but that authentic leadership was really important because I was kind of coming in thinking well now that I'm a chief executive I must be much more cross or I must be much more strict <laughs> or I must yes going, I must I must be so you, you know you, you do and you are influenced by all of those role models you think oh well they're all a bit like you know a bit like that so I'll now have to be like them and it's it doesn't work it, the authentic leadership piece is is just so so important um so that was probably the best piece of advice i was given um i'm not i'm not a big one for going backwards that's i think why i'm struggling i'm i'm a big one from probably learning and moving forwards yeah uh so i think that's it it's yeah. that's probably the advice is you know there's things that work there's there's things that don't um our our motto in young enterprise is learning by doing and that's okay. So I suppose that's that would be my advice is just to to stick to that. And I think um, we were given a very wise piece of advice from um, one of our board members who sadly passed away recently. And he he always just said, "Stick to your knitting." And I go, <laughs> "What?" But what he meant was, wow. you know, you can go off with all of those brilliant ideas, but first and foremost get get the basics and the fundamentals right. And I think there's a lot of those cliches that float around business. But they're there for a reason yeah. because they're true. Yeah. And if you could take anyone from Northern Ireland out for coffee, whether it's for a chat, whether it's for a mentor session, whether it's for just a wee gossip, who would you oh, take? Gosh. Gosh. You know, I'm very fortunate because in this role I get to have coffee with lots of people throughout Northern Ireland. And I think what's always interesting is you meet people with fabulous businesses that people don't know about. And I think that's one of the things that, that surprises me in Northern Ireland, that there's people there with fantastic businesses and we just don't, we just don't know about them. We don't, we're not aware of them. So no, I'm not going to pick one because if I pick one, then I'll offend everybody <laughs> else. So I'd be more worried. But no, I, I just think that that's one of the things we need to recognize. We have, you know, we, we need to remember we've loads of fantastic business owners out there and really celebrate them. Yeah. And do you think that's a cultural thing as a country? Uh, I talk a wee bit sometimes about, you know, us maybe not being able to celebrate very well. What do you think? Yeah, I think culturally we're we, we're not showy offy for want of a better term. And I think that that's pretty much out there um, that, you know, it's it's not particularly in our culture to show off and say we've done brilliant things. What I think one of the things we sort of try to say to the students, and I think it's coming a little bit more because with social media and one of the things I love seeing is so many of our student companies now are really active in social media and really are getting, you know, the importance of that, which you wouldn't have seen a few years ago. And it's trying to say to them, well, you know, even if you can't do it for yourself as an individual, do it for the business. So it's okay if it's for the business. It's maybe not okay shouting about themselves as individuals. But it is a huge cultural thing. And I mean, we would see the Enlightened Hope team was really interesting because um, they very much were a multicultural team. And I think that was one of the aspects of their success because they didn't have those same barriers in terms of um, being concerned in that way. You know, it's just it isn't there within Northern Ireland and um yeah, I don't know. We we have a lot of successful startup businesses. That's the wind through my windows. Don't worry about it. We're very poor charity with our windows. Can't afford double glazing here, so uh, it's very windy. Um, no, I think one of the challenges really is um, 
to encourage young people to, you know, promote their success and to say that's okay. And I mean, we do culturally, if people are doing that in Northern Ireland, we tend to knock them down. And so, you know, it is something that either you just have to be resilient to and go, well, that's fine. I'll just not spend time with those people that are negative and knocking me down or use it to, you know, rise above and and prove them wrong. Uh, You talked a little bit about the fear of failure. What advice would you give to a young business owner starting off um, to how to overcome that fear of failure? I think fear of failure is interesting and I was fortunate enough to spend some time um, in Boston and San Diego on a, a, a visit, a benchmarking visit in regards to youth entrepreneurship. And what was interesting was actually going back to the culture piece again, that, you know, in terms of infrastructure and support here, there's every bit as much for people starting up a business, possibly more. But it's the cultural, you know, drive to do it that is lacking. And um, I was talking to a professor from Babson College and we were talking about the attitude of entrepreneurs to risk. And that's always how it's perceived that, you know, entrepreneurs, they don't care. They're just very risk averse, blah, blah, blah. And her view was actually they're not. They just manage their risk differently. So they assess what level of risk they're prepared to go to. And they have a line. And when they've crossed that line, the six, the important bit within business is knowing when to stop. So, for example, they will decide that they're prepared to risk up to £10,000. And if they get to the 12000 they've gone too far, then that mentally is time to, you know, draw clothes under whatever aspect they're doing in the business. But that's, and I thought that was very interesting because it's not that they're reckless. Yeah, It's actually just very controlled and very well thought out. And I think that's what, you know, with failure, that's what you've got to do. You've got to say, what's the very worst thing that could happen? And what would I do in that circumstance? And I mean, you go back to what's chief executive. That's my job as well. We we do contingency planning. You know, what would happen if we have 50% of the funding that we have? What would happen if we had 200% of the funding you have? And it, it's all that planning work that you do in advance so that then when it happens, you have either mitigated against the risks and, and you've reduced what's what happens or you've planned for it and you have a plan B. So I think that's the key for... Um, thinking about the fear of failure is like what's the worst that could happen maybe the worst that you feel could happen is I'll be a bit embarrassed and my mates will laugh at me would you know what turn around your mates and say well at least I've tried to start a business and you haven't you know so it's like what you know and if they're good mates then they shouldn't be mocking you so it's always just working out you know what would you do if that happened yeah there's a local guy Philip Bain he uh, does a lot of speaking and he always says entrepreneurs are they're not risk takers they're risk managers yeah and yeah. I think you're totally right. There's something something about that. It's almost one of the wee like misconceptions in yeah. the business world, and it's good. It's good to hear your thoughts on that. Um, do you have a favourite place in Belfast, Northern Ireland? I, I'm loving the new Titanic Hotel, I must say, oh, yeah. <laughs> um, because it's just very, very stylish. I've only I've only been in once, so I'm looking forward to getting back there. And uh, just I just love I love um, old architecture. For my uh, GCSE geography project, I oh, yeah. did all about you know it's very important. I love I love geography and I love urban and social geography. So my GCSE project was all about the department stores of Belfast and their history and how they'd evolved. So I just love all the the architecture so anything seeing any of those old buildings lovely i just love all of those i think as they as they come back to life they just look fabulous unreal 
Uh, how can our listeners connect with Young Enterprise? Uh, if you go on our website, www.yeni.co.uk or on Twitter, you've got at ye underscore ni. We'd love to have you follow us um, and give us a shout. Class and working with Aunt Carol. Carol. Carol is on LinkedIn or carol.fitsimons1m uh, at <laughs> yeni.co.uk. Carol, thank you very much. Really appreciate you coming on the show. Thank you. Let's do it all again. Start it up where we left off. Take control of this night. What's cracking, guys? Matthew here again, real quick, just before we end the show. Just wanted to give big thank you to Carol for coming on and sharing everything that she shared with us and telling the story of Young Enterprise. If you, yes, you listening right now, have any free time to give to Young Enterprise, I really, really encourage you to do so. There is very few things you could do that would be as productive and would be as great an investment into the future of our country and the future of our young people. All you got to do is contact them. They have a whole wide range of volunteering opportunities, whether it's a one-off thing, whether it's a recurring thing, whether it's working with the school locally or around your place of work. They can sort it out. They'll be able to match up your skills to the needs of the students and I know that they would really appreciate it. I think their website's going to be the best place to reach out to them so check it out. It's www.yeni.co.uk Last but by no means least I have to give a massive thank you to the Belfast based band Wanderers for their awesome intro and outro music. I've tried to showcase it a wee bit more this episode so you can hear more of the song but to listen to the full thing you're going to want to head over to YouTube and Spotify and search for their song Light It Up their band name is Wanderers and they're on Instagram at WanderersNI. That's it for me, guys. You know the drill if you want to see photos and a written version of the show over at bestbelfast.org. You can find all of our social media stuff too to reach out to us there or, of course, via email. And that is it. Episode 11 is in the books. Thank you so much for coming with us. My name is Matthew. This is the Best of Belfast podcast. And until next time, all the very best. Simon Worthington and I am based in Port Stewart. I am the editor of Turf and Grain magazine, an independent magazine which is committed to sharing the stories, experiences and ideas of the people of Ireland. I listen to Best of Belfast because it does the same thing for Northern Ireland and it shows us all that Northern Ireland has a better story to tell than what is often represented in the mainstream media. My favourite episode is the episode with Ryan Crown. Um, Ryan is someone I know and someone whose amazing career I followed quite closely over the years. I support the podcast financially just because it's really important for independent media to receive backing because it's a really important space within our society and this podcast is just doing a really amazing thing for Belfast, if I'm honest. If you've been on the fence about joining the Producers Club and would miss Best of Belfast if it wasn't here, 
I'd highly recommend considering joining it today. You can do that over at bestofbelfast.org and I look forward to chatting to you in the WhatsApp group soon. Thanks.